You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. My generation has no future, and I refuse to believe that I have been given permission to live and I am free. I realize this may be a shock, but God has a purpose for my life is actually a lie. And I believe money and popularity are priorities. In my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, I have my priorities straight and I must hold on to my pride. I surrender the idea that my actions will have an everlasting impact. In the future, lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. No longer can it be said that my peers and I care about our faith. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It is foolish to presume that there is hope. But what if we change that? What if we shatter those expectations? What if we flip the script? There is hope. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It will be evident that my peers and I care about our faith. No longer can it be said that lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. In the future, my actions will have an everlasting impact. I surrender the idea that I must hold on to my pride. I have my priorities straight. And in my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, money and popularity are priorities. It's actually a lie. And I believe God has a purpose for my life. I realize this may be a shock, but I have been given permission to live. And I am free. And I refuse to believe that my generation has no future. thankful that God has given us a hope and a future that is in Christ. This morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 18. As we continue this series, Roles Reversed, this simple promise or simple uh, uh, understanding that when Jesus shows up, He changes everything. How many have found out that when Jesus showed up in your life, He reversed the roles and changed the perspective, changed everything in your life? How many have been changed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ? Is there anybody this morning been changed by the work of God? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. He has reversed the roles, that when we come into contact and we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, He reverses the roles in our life. We've been looking at how He changes our role, that we started on Easter Sunday recognizing that the role that Jesus played, it took our place. He took our role on the cross, that the punishment was upon Him. And because He took our punishment, how many know we're not under the wrath of God, we're not under the punishment of God, but when we come in Christ or that we're in Christ, we are made new. We've received the grace and the mercy of God. He's changed our role. Last week, we talked about Him changing our identity. You may have had a nickname growing up, but it may not be the same name you use because you outgrow those places, those identities, that God changes our identity. This morning, I want to look at God changing our perspective. In Joshua chapter 18, we're going to be looking at this verse in in just a few verses that are found there in Joshua 18. But this morning, would you stand with me today as we take a look at God's Word together? Joshua 18. I want to just uh, remind us 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You may know this scripture, but it's just this point, and and this is the basis of what we want to look at today. The Bible says this, that, that when we come to Christ, that we recognize that we no longer live by sight, but we live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we live by faith and not by sight. But I want to look here today in Joshua 18. That God changing our perspective and how we look at things, what we see. The Bible says in Joshua 18, Joshua is still leading the people of Israel. He's taken over for Moses. He's now brought them into the promised land. They are in the the midst of God's promise. But here they are. We see in verse 18, or in verse 1 of chapter 18. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire Israelite assembly gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. 
Now there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their inheritance. Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? Select three men from each tribe, and I will send them out to survey the unconquered territory. They will return to me with a written report of their proposed divisions of the inheritance. Verse 3, how long will you wait before you take possession of the land? Would you look at your neighbor this morning and just ask him, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Father, this morning I pray, God, that we would hear your word. And Lord, that we would live by faith and not by sight. That God, we would have the perspective, our, our vision changed. The way we look at things would be changed. Today, God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts that, Lord, we would be people who would not wait, but, God, we would be people who would operate in your presence, that we would move forth in your promise. I pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated. How many believe today that God has a great promise in store for each and every one of us? That God's word is spoken as a promise. I think sometimes we need to just get a hold of the fact that God's word is a promise to us. Sometimes we're easy to think of it as a good idea. God's word is a good idea. God's word's a good thought. It's a good idea. It works for some people, but not for me. That's good for someone else. It's, it seems to be in place for that person or someone in a different situation. We tend to see God's word as a good idea and forget that it's not just a good idea. God's word is a promise that cannot return void. It is a word spoken that when he gives it to you and I, his word is a promise and a truth that his ways are higher than our ways. His word, the promise that he works all things together for good, that he operates in our lives to bring about for his glory, to bring about for his provision. I believe today that we're standing and, and recognizing that there are moments that, that God is leading us into great things. You know what it's like that you have a perspective that God is up to something great and you get excited about what God is up to. And in the midst of that excitement, somewhere along the way, you begin to believe and operate, but somewhere along the way, something happens and the excitement that you once saw doesn't seem to be the same thing that you're walking in. What was excitement at the beginning we called faith, but faith wasn't the excitement that got us just excited. Faith was the empowerment that caused us to move even when it didn't feel exciting. Faith isn't what we respond to because everything looks a certain way. Faith is what we respond even when things don't look the way we think they ought to look. We don't need faith to get excited, and oftentimes we can leave our walk with God to be an emotional thing that we, we get excited about it. But faith isn't what gets you excited. Faith is what moves you when it seems like there's nothing to excite you, when it seems like there's nothing to, to, to really look at and, and to feel like this is going to work out. If it was always going to look like it would work out, how many know we would not need faith? Faith isn't meant to look and, and just believe because it's so obvious. Faith means we have to have the vision and the perspective to see and believe even when it doesn't look like it. To call those things that are not as though they were. To believe in, the, in, in, in prospect of believing God and looking into it. I want to just share a word this morning, just this simple title, No More Loitering. No More Loitering. How many have ever seen the signs that say No Loitering? No, no loitering allowed. There's no more loitering that when you hang out in a place and there's no doubt you've, you've seen the signs. And we understand what the expectation is of the sign, but we may not know the full description because it just simply says it's some establishment that you might be at that it just simply says no loitering. We understand they don't want you hanging around there, but it's not just that they don't want you hanging around. There's a real distinction and description that goes beyond that. They don't mind you being at the establishment. They don't want you to be there without any reason because the full meaning of loitering is to remain without reason they don't mind you coming to their establishment they don't want you just being there without any reason that you remain without reason if you're just hanging around you're taking up space you're getting in the way you're not you're not able or you're not con contributing to what is taking place in that establishment you're just hanging around and you're loitering you're at a place and you're remaining without reason it's not that they don't want you to be there. They just want to make sure that if you're there, you have a reason for being there. It's not that they don't want you to come to their establishment. They just want to make sure that what you're doing around the establishment is enhancing the business 
of why they're there. The purpose and the business. When it says no loitering, it it would say to those who say you have no business here. I'm going to ask you this morning. I'm not saying to you today and telling you you have no business. I'm saying to you today make sure we engage in the business that God has called us to. That we don't just loiter in the world that that we're existing in. That we come to a place of understanding that we have purpose. Here's Joshua, and he gathers the people of Israel, and they've gone through battle campaigns. They've they fought. They went through Jericho and Ai and the different places. They, they, they've seen war. They've seen the land come about, and, and God's promises are coming true. They're moving forward in the process, and, and here it is that as they gather at Shiloh, they had just left Gilgal. And the interesting thing is recognizing that Gilgal is a place of decision. Gilgal means a place of decision. But they come to Shiloh, and Shiloh means a place of rest or a place of transition. How many know that when you're in rest, it is a process of transitioning. transitioning. It's from a place of unrest into a place of rest. It's preparing you for what is ahead. It's a place of transition. They left Gilgal, the place of decision. Many of us have already been to the place of decision. We've made a decision to believe on Jesus Christ, to know him as our Lord and Savior. But now we're at Shiloh, and I want you to see what Israel is doing at Shiloh at the place of transition. Joshua calls them all together, and the entire congregation, or the entire people of Israel, gather at Shiloh, and the Bible says that they put up the tabernacle. They established the tabernacle, they built the tabernacle, but among them were seven tribes. Three had already been accounted for, or, or the uh, four had already been accounted for. They'd been given land. There were two and a half that received land on the other side of the Jordan. The, the uh, Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh. The Levites were already taken care of because their provision was what God would provide for them. But there were seven tribes that had not yet taken the land. And while they're gathered around the place of worship, around the tabernacle, they had built and established the tabernacle. Joshua says to them, how long are you going to wait before you take the land. I think it's more appropriate in the King James Version. He says this word in the King James, the old English that makes it stern. Joshua says to them, how long are you going to slack? How long will you be slack? How long will, how long will you slack? How many know it doesn't help when the house or when the place and the establishment is full of a bunch of slackers? How many know that nothing gets done in a place full of slackers? How long will you slack? How long will you, how long will you gather around the place of promise but not possess the promise that God has for you? How long will we remain in a place but slacking? Joshua calls them together and he, they're recognizing that they're in this place. And I, I want you to get this picture today. They had just made the decision at Gilgal. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. But now we leave Gilgal and we show up at Shiloh. Shiloh is a place of transition. And he says to them, you're gathered around the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. That's good. But God didn't call you to just hang out around the tabernacle. He called you to possess the land that he saved you and conditioned you and created you to bring hope, not to a tabernacle, to a place, but to take from a place and bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the world. And to take, and here Joshua says to him, hey, that's all good, you're hanging around the tabernacle, but how long are you going to wait before you take possession of the land that I promised you? Those dreams that have put in your heart, but somewhere along the line, it's easy to have a dream, but after time, that dream become not as bright as it once was. At a moment to feel like what I believe for and what I'm hoping for doesn't seem as clear as it used to be. We can recognize that life can cause us at moments to feel slacking, become slacking. I want to just ask us this morning, when it comes to living by faith, are we living in a perspective of 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 allowing God to do something with our lives or have we become in taking on a slacker mentality? Do you know anybody who tends to fit the description of a slacker? Let me tell you who they are. They're the people who want to get by doing as little as possible. They're the ones that don't want to have much effort 
If it's going to take too much work, I'd rather just slide by with little effort, no work. I just want to be able to get by, to have a get-by mentality, that we can adopt such a way of thinking, even in the body of Christ. Don't make any, don't, don't make any progress. Don't stir things up. Don't make too much advancement. Don't do anything different. Just keep simple. Now, I realize there's a way we've got to simplify the, the things that we, we do, but sometimes we can get caught up in just going along with the way it's always been. Let's just, let's not take any risk. Let's not step out of our comfort zone. Let's not step in an area we've never been before because it's easier just to stay where we've been. What was it about the Israelites when he brings them together and they decide we're not going to take the land. They weren't opposing it. They just, for whatever reason, said, we'll do it later. Seven tribes were promised the land. You get to have possession. It becomes yours. It's the inheritance. It's what God has promised you. All you need to do is step out in faith and take it. All you need to do is reach out and put into action and to step upon it and honor God and believe God and take God at his word. All you need to do is walk in it. But whatever reason, they decided, nah, maybe later. I don't think they were opposed to having God's blessing. They just came at the crux at a position where they said in order to step into it, something's got to be different than what it's been. I wonder if they came in to this place in Shiloh and said, you know what? Hey, this is good enough. You know what? We're no longer slaves in Egypt and we have enough plunder from all the other people that we've defeated. We could, you know what? This is enough. Let's just stop Right here, we've got it good enough. We don't have the full promise that God gave us, but at least it's better than what it was. How many know we can sometimes take on the concept and the thought that says, hey, we're better than we used to be. We're not where God really has us and what God really stores for us, but at least we're not where we were. I can say, thank God I'm not where I was, but I want my eyes to be set upon God. You're not finished yet. There's more that you desire to do. I can rejoice for where you brought me. Thank you that you brought me out of Egypt. But you didn't bring me out of Egypt just to hang out in Shiloh. You brought me out of Egypt to possess the promise and to hold on to the land and to have the provision and inheritance that you've called me to have. I want to walk in the fullness of what it is you have for me. I wonder as well if it could have been this attitude that, hey, we're in Shiloh and God may have promised the land, but there are Canaanites that are in the land still. There's still Canaanites there. And do you know what a hassle it is to deal with Canaanites? Do you know, I, uh, I don't want to really be, I don't want to deal with that. I, I'd really like to influence or to do something about that, but do you know that that's a hassle? And how many know that sometimes because of the inconvenience it might cause, even though God says, I'll give you victory. Every place you step your foot, I'll give you that land. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to provide for it. All you got to do is walk out in faith. Ah, that's going to take work. That means I got to step out. That means how many can relate to what Israel may have been facing? We're better than we used to be. Ah, that's some effort. It's work. I don't know if I want to do that. Here's another thing that I think held them back. I think the other thing that held them back, not only was their complacency and the inconvenience, but I think the main thing that held them back was that most of them, or all of them, had grown up in Egypt. Or not all of them grown up in Egypt, but their parents, their families, have grown up in Egypt, and all they've ever known was a life of wandering. They were nomads. That's who they were. They had never possessed land in their life. From the time Abraham left and Abraham began to follow God, Israel never had property. They never had land. We are a nomadic people. We wander. That's what we do. That's how we've been trained. That's how we've been conditioned. That my grandfather was a wanderer. My dad was a wanderer. They all wandered. They were all nomads. Everybody lived like this. And there was a mentality that needed to shift for them to say, I'm not going to live like I've always lived. I've got to change my perspective and my way of thinking that I can't just look at how it's always been but I've got to change this way of thinking and believe that God has something greater and in store that there's some point along the way someone comes to a recognition and faith changes everything for my family it was faith changing the perspective that there was a generation that had alcohol as a part of their life but in 1979 there was a perspective that changed and now I'm here a generation who has never experienced I've never I don't 
don't know what it's like to be drunk. I have no idea. I've watched people be drunk. I've seen what that life is like. But Jesus got a hold of my dad, and he broke a cycle, and something changed. Instead of being nomads, wandering, trying to find my place, Jesus came along, and he put me in my place. He put me at a place of hope. He delivered me. I used to be that way, but he brought a hope and a resurrection. He changed the roles. He changed it. And this mentality that needs to change sometimes. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in a cycle, in a way of thinking, that we just become a process and repeat the cycle. This is how it was. And every generation just passes along and becomes the same. But Jesus, or Joshua, which is a type of Jesus in the scriptures, he says, hey, there's a promise that's right up there in those hills. And how long are you going to hang out here? And how long are you going to wait before you take the promise that was given? How long are you going to wait? I want to give you a couple things this morning. That when we recognize the power of faith, what faith produces in our lives, that we live by faith and not by sight. Isn't it interesting that the easiest thing to do is to trust God, yet the hardest thing to do is to trust God. Faith means just concede and give in to God and trust Him and let Him worry about everything. Let Him put it all together. Let Him take the pieces and work it all out. Faith means just surrender, but yet it's hard to just surrender. But as I'm taking and and allowing this faith to influence me, the the Bible says this, that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That when we come in contact with the Word of God, and here's the challenge, the role reverse that I want to challenge us with. Today, I want to challenge us that our, our roles reverse, that we don't just be content with loitering in our world, but we start living in the Word. Instead of loitering in our world, we live in the Word. That we're not just remaining without reason, but that we allow the Word of God to lead us and we live by faith. How many know that faith doesn't sit idle? How many believe that today? Faith doesn't sit idle. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain. Faith moves mountains. Faith is a power. It it is a a work of God that when we take God at his word by faith, it leads us. And I want to give you some things this morning as as we look at this word just of what faith is. Here it is. Number one, faith is influence. If we're going to have faith, it means that we naturally have influence. Joshua brings the people together and he says, how long are you going to wait to possess the land. Now realize that possess, to possess something means to give influence. There's a land that is undetermined right now. There's a land right now that is marked by the Canaanites, the ungodly. There is a land that, that has no structure of godliness. There's a hopelessness. There's a, 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 just a depravity that's in the land. And Joshua is saying to them, when will you possess the land? And when you possess something, you walk in faith. And the moment you walk in faith, you walk with the power and the presence of God that brings influence. We've said this before. Darkness does not prevail because it's greater than light. It only prevails because light at one moment is is hiding. Darkness only comes on the earth about 8 o'clock for us right now. That darkness only happens not because the sun has been extinguished or because the darkness is greater than the sun, but because of that period of time, the sun is in hiding. Light is always greater than darkness. It's just that when it is in hiding, it gives way to darkness. Darkness only prevails if the light is hiding. The world is only in darkness, not because darkness is greater than light, but because the light is not where it needs to be. But when you put the light in the place of darkness, how many know that nothing can stand, that the light immediately immediately pierces the darkness and it brings change and here's the land that is unpossessed it's a land that is not having any light and Joshua says when will you influence that land when are you going to walk into that land oh we like hanging out at the tabernacle we're good here we just set up the tabernacle we we built a really nice tabernacle we put in nice carpet It's a nice tabernacle. We've got a nice tabernacle. Let's just hang out at the tabernacle. Let's all just come and let's worship and gather at the tabernacle. We just, we're okay being at the tabernacle. And Joshua says, this is good, but how long are you going to wait before you go and possess the land? Yes, come and worship. Yes, come be at this place. But there is a land that is unpossessed and someone needs to go and bring an influence to a dark place. Someone needs to go and move in light to shine hope in a place 
that is troubled. Sometimes we can take on an area instead of, instead of moving forth. That Here it is for Israel. They were content standing at the door of opportunity. But they were not seizing the opportunity that was standing right in front of them. They were content standing at the door of opportunity. We could. One day we will. I bet they had all kinds of songs about how they're going to possess the land. And they could sing all the songs in the tabernacle. It wasn't their style of worship then. I understand that. But they could be in the tabernacle and worship all about how they're going to do and what's going to happen. But all the while until faith causes us to move out of the tabernacle and start possessing the land. Yeah, I'm glad God brought us to Shiloh. Yeah, I'm glad he brought us to this place. But he's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. He put dreams in people that aren't even here today. But we're carrying out the vision and dreams that weren't of man. They were of God. God gave them to man. And we're continuing to carry what God has set in motion, what God has set forth. It gives influence. If there's opportunity standing in front of us and the opportunity for us to take, what are some areas that instead of influencing, we sometimes are content to just slack in? I know that I need to have a conversation with my son or daughter about this situation. But I don't want to have that conversation. How many have ever been at a place where I need and I know, uh, I know I need to pray with my family. I know I need to have time of devotions. I know I need to, to pray. I know I need to bring up the things of God. I know I need to have that conversation. I know I need to invite that friend to church. I know I need to influence. I know I need to. Uh, at some other time, at some other place, and whenever the circumstances, maybe when the Canaanites start dwindling off. Listen, the Canaanites only reproduce. Look at our culture and our world. Population grows when left in its, in its place. It becomes more and more. And somehow they thought in their mind, well, maybe we'll just wait till there's less of them and then we'll go. We'll wait till a certain time or a certain area. And all the while, there's opportunity, but we're not seizing. I'm praying right now that God would reveal to you an area that you know is standing right in front of you, but you've somehow been waiting. You're waiting for that moment. You said sometime, maybe at some point, there'll be somewhere else. And even something excited you, and you thought, I'm going to do this. This is God. He's going to work in this. But all of a sudden, when you got excited about doing something, someone else came along and said, nah, I don't think. You ever meet someone? And all of a sudden, we're going to go, we're going to take the land, we're going to bring hope, we're going to see growth, we're going to see, I don't know if you should do that. And all of a sudden, I've got to allow faith to be not in what man is saying, but I've got to say, take the counsel of the godly, but let's make sure the counsel is in faith and not just in sight. Well, you don't have enough money. Listen, if it's of God, money's not my issue. You don't have enough skills. If it's of God, skills aren't my issue. You don't have enough influence. You don't have enough clout. You don't, you don't have enough. Tell that to Moses who stutters. You can't go talk to Pharaoh. Tell that to, to Daniel, of course, who was a captive, who was, who was taken from his homeland. He was made a slave. Tell him, hey, you can't be an influencer in a kingdom, in a place. You're a slave. You're not even in your own land. Tell that to those people. Tell that to Ruth who, who, who knew that she had lost everything and everything gone. Tell that. To those who have scripture who said by faith, they live by faith, not because they could afford it, because the ones God blessed, they had nothing. Not because they were anything, because the one God used, they were not most of, most of them were not anything at all. But they lived by faith. Faith causes us to step out, that we live in influence. There's a world of influence, and sometimes we're slacking in those areas. We take on the mentality of a slacker. That nomad, we're just always going to wander. I want to challenge you to the core of our faith. That sometimes when we say we have faith, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're just as much an atheist. Because if we really believed, if we really believed, faith changes the way I look at life. If I really believed, then my dependency 
would not be on being in a relationship that is not godly, that is not moving me towards a relationship with God. Faith would allow me to say, God, I'm going to honor you and trust that you're going to bring out something better. Faith says, God, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give you the first fruit. I'm going to give you what belongs to you, what is yours. I'm going to honor you and trust you. I'm going to do faith. Causes us not to, not to be perfect, but to make progress and to step out and say, this is uncomfortable. I've never done this before. I, I, I've never given 10% to God before. I, I've never given God the first. I, I've always waited to see what was left, or I gave God a tip, or I gave a donation, but I've never given God the first. And I've said to someone recently, you get concerned because you think God wants more. God never said, I want more. He only said, I want the first. He only said, I want the first. When you put God first, the Bible doesn't say that when you give God more, he says when you put God first. All he's saying is you're afraid that somehow you're going to miss out and you're going to lose. And God says, I'm not here to take anything from you because I'm not a God who takes. I'm only a God who gives. But if you honor me with the first, it opens the door that I can cause blessing to flow in your life. When I seek first the kingdom of God, when I recognize and really believe that, It doesn't mean it's easy for me to do, but it means I'm going to step out, not because of how I feel or how it looks or how it seems, but because his word, and I'm going to stand on his word, and I'm going to honor his word, and on his word alone, I'm going to move. And when we move by the word of God, listen, that same word that he says, my word I'll send, and it will not return void. It will produce what I've sent it to do. How many believe that today? Then I'm challenging us as a church then the roles to be reversed, and let's say, then let's live the word we believe. I don't know where that is for you, that you're being challenged today. I don't know what area that is for you to say, God's saying, do you honor me in this? Do you trust me? Do you believe me in your finances, in the relationships, in those areas, those things that you know I need to do, I need to do, but I'm waiting for another day. I need to have that conversation, but I'm putting it off. I need to give that forgiveness, but I'm waiting for another time. I need to start honoring God with my finances, but maybe another day. I need to step out in ministry, but some other time. Those things that we're putting off and we're saying someday and we're losing the opportunity to influence. Faith influences our mind, our motives, and our methods. When we have faith, it changes Those things about us. Faith is influence. It's influence. Number two, faith is in motion. You can't have faith and not have action. The Bible says it simply this way. In James chapter 2, he says, The body is dead without breath, and so faith is dead without what? Good works. Faith has to be in motion. It's something that has to move forward. I want to challenge you with this thought this morning. Faith is not about receiving before it is first about responding. I want you to think about this. Faith is not first about receiving before it is about responding. We often look at faith, and I need faith in order to receive from God. But faith is not me receiving from God. Faith is me responding to God. Think about this. God is not going to bring blessing until I have operated in faith. How many believe that? There is a step. James says it this way as well. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The same is with worship, that we can worship. And here they are, Joshua has them. They're worshiping at the tabernacle. They're worshiping at the place of, at the place of God's presence. And they're worshiping. And we can often be content with worshiping and letting worship be in about us receiving But worship is not about you receiving from God. Worship is first about you responding to God. I want you to catch that this morning. Because we often think of worship, I'm coming to worship. And here's, here's how I know we take this mindset, that we tend to draw near to God when we're in need. That's not a problem. It's okay that that might bring you to God. The problem is, though, with the mentality that says, I'm worshiping God because I need something from God. Follow me. That's not worship. That's welfare. I don't mean that in, I, I, what I mean by that is, God, I'm only dependent upon you because I need something from you for this moment and this time. This is not about you doing something in me. This is about me getting something from you. 
This is about me just getting what I need from you, and I'm coming to a place. And worship isn't about positioning ourselves to receive from God. Worship is when we come to a place, and we now begin to respond to God. We begin to respond. My mind begins to think in line with his. I begin to to come in line with what he wants. I no longer live according to what my flesh desires. I no longer live according to sight, but I now start living by faith. I'm not living according to what is my goal, my desire, but I'm living by faith, and it causes worship. When I worship, I want to challenge you. When you worship God, when we come and we sing the next song we might sing, don't let worship be God, just what I want to receive from you, because, yeah, I need God, but I won't receive what I need from God until I first in faith respond to God. If you need, listen, If you need financial blessing in your life, how many know it might mean you need to start tithing? If you need relational blessing in your life, if you need blessing or something in in a relation, in a conflict, it might might mean you need to forgive. That sometimes the means of what we're asking for, not sometimes, but oftentimes, what we're asking God for is not resulted by God giving it to us, but by us responding to what His Word says. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? Or did I just lose you all today? Is that just, or is it, no, I don't, I don't. That there's a response. If I'm in a place, if I'm in a mindset, the battle is always in the mind. But there's a mindset that needs to change. And I, I notice immediately that my mind is going right back and reverting to the way I've thought before, to the way that I feel. And I begin to say, well, this is how I feel. This is how it always happens. By faith, I need to take on a new mindset. That God cannot just come and lift me out of that mindset. I need to make an intentional decision that I'm going to follow him into a new place, into a new area. It's, it's the act of worship is not about me receiving from God before it is first about me responding to God. You might need to write that down and meditate on that this week and just think that through in your life, that the act of worship is not about me receiving from God before it is first about me responding to God. This act of response, that faith is in motion. There is a good works that God would have us do. Listen what the Bible says that Abel, by faith, he brought an offering. Noah, by faith, built an ark. Jacob, by faith, gave a blessing. Abraham, by faith, obeyed God. All of these men and individuals listed in Hebrews chapter 11 was connected to they had faith and therefore they did this. Their faith caused them to do this. How many know God rescued Noah and his family? How? With a boat. What did Noah have to do? Build the boat. God created and brought an ark of safety and protection for Noah, but Noah had to build and do what God said to do. God gives provision, but there's those things that need to be in action. When we live by faith, faith is is influence. Faith is in motion. Let me give you this last one, number three. Faith is insight. Faith is insight. Joshua sent out three spies, or not spies, but scouts. Three from each tribe, 21 individuals total. Three from each tribe that did not yet possess the land. He said, I want you to go and you're going to map out the land. I want you to, to create a map and I want you to scout it out. Notice these individuals. I want you to think about these individuals. It's your job to go map out the land. Do you know someone who goes to create a map has to have a special way of looking at things? I want you to see these individuals. They had to be individuals who had the ability to see the land not for what it is, but for what it is meant to be. Think about that. That when I have faith, in sight, faith is in sight, that I have things that are in sight, and I don't see things as they are, I see them as God has called them to be. Faith begins to change the way I look at things. Faith gives me a new perspective. It's, it's the ability to see it for what it is, to not see it for what it is, but to see it for what it is meant to be. And, and here's something the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart, said, Jason, I want to give you 3D vision. I want to give you 3D vision. I was praying one day, and as I'm praying and, and just saying, saying to God, God, I believe 
We're, we're at a place you want to lead us into great things. We want to see Fayette County turned around to the glory of God. Yes, all of those things. I know there are other needs and things that there are, but what God has pressed and put on my heart is to reach as much of this county for Jesus Christ as we can possibly reach before the coming of Jesus Christ. To proclaim Jesus to every corner, to every place, in every means, in every area, so that Jesus Christ might be glorified. The hope of what we need is only found in Jesus Christ. I need 3D vision. Lord, begin to speak to me. He just said the 3D vision comes when one dimension is when I begin to see things as they are or to see it as it is. I've got one dimensional vision. I, I see it as it is. And how many know we have a lot of people who see it as it is? And then even two dimensional, sometimes we can see it as it's not. You ever know those people? They don't even just see it for what it is, but they're able to even add to that. I see it for what it's not. We can see the problems. I I can see what's not happening, what's wrong, and all the difficulties. But I say, God, give me 3D vision. Not to just see it as it is, not to see it as it's not, but to see it as it is in heaven. That I might see as it is in heaven. Give me eyes to look at my school. Not the way it looks right now, but give me eyes of faith to see on earth as it is in heaven. Give me the eyes of faith that I'll not look at my family or my marriage as it is or as it's not, uh, as it's not, but let me see my marriage on earth as it is in heaven. Let me begin to see what you have in faith and begin to see that in action right here in the place that I'm in. I want to have a perspective that sees on earth as it is in heaven. Faith Assembly. We've been called Faith Assembly since 1979 when they started the church. None of us had an option here to pick the name. None of us were sitting in that meeting to say, what are we going to call this church? It was Faith Assembly. It was a place of people of faith gathering together. An assembly is a gathering of faith have a perspective one of the things that we see you can see it on our sign you can see it on letterhead and things that you see that identify faith for us and that is this that faith is where hope and reality converge it's where hope and reality converge it's where the things we hope for and the reality of things that are come together it's the things that we hope for become the things that are that's what faith is it's calling the things that we cannot see and bring it to a place where we can see it in faith and see it in God and it becomes a reality in our lives we call ourselves faith assembly where hope and reality converge but here's what I want to challenge you with the word converge doesn't just mean coming together because when you come together that's not converging converging means coming together to a point that when you converge you don't just come together you come together to a point it's not good enough church faith assembly I'm not asking God's not calling us to just come together he's calling us to come together to a point let's not just loiter in our world let's quit hanging out in our world yeah we belong here we ought to remain here I'm not saying let's leave here I'm saying let's make sure that as long as we remain here we don't remain here without reason let's not just loiter in our public schools let's not just loiter in our neighborhood let's not just loiter in the world that God has put us in let's not loiter let's live by faith Let's not just remain. Let's have reason for remaining. We've got to have reason. You don't have your job just because you're that good. God didn't give you that money because you're that smart. He didn't give you that relationship because you deserve it. Some of you are like me. You married up in life. You got a blessing from the Lord. But he put the things around you and gave you what you need. Not because of you, but because he wants to position you and say, hey, it's time to possess the land. Even when he gives me a miracle. Listen to this. Some of us, you might need miracles. God's purpose of miracle is not to extend your life, but to expand his glory. When I change my mind, listen, too often times we look for a miracle. And miracles too often are connected to my need and I want God to expand. The miracle that God wants to do in your life is not about extending your life. It's about expanding his glory. Because listen, if I really have faith, I know I'm not in a desperate place that I want to leave this earth, but here's what the Bible says. In fact, where it says we live by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, is where Paul says these words. He says, for to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. 
That's the same place that he says we live by faith and not by sight. Here's what Paul's saying. I live by faith that I'd much rather be with Jesus, but I'm going to live this life that he's called me to. So I need his miracle, not so I can get another extension of life on this earth, but that his glory might be expanded. Because here's the reality. He could heal me today, but how many know someday eventually I'm going to go see Jesus? He could do a miracle today. His purpose of healing you is not so you can have an extension on your life, but that there might be an expansion of the glory of God relayed through a world that God might use you and when you're in your sickness you say God use me that your glory might come out God work in this situation that your glory might be seen I'm not looking for an expansion of my territory I'm looking for an expansion of your kingdom come your will be done in fact Jesus taught us to pray this way he said our father come on say it with me our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. For yours is the kingdom, the glory, the power. Notice what he starts the prayer with. Our Father who art in heaven. Notice his first part of the prayer is saying, hey, disciples, don't get your perspective down here. Get your eyes up there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I want to see what you want down here. I want to see what you want come here. Does that make sense to anybody? So we're asking us where we're going to serve. You're just loitering in your marriage. You're remaining in your marriage. That's good. God doesn't want you to leave. But maybe you're remaining and you're forgetting to bring the reason to why you're there. You're loitering in your workplace. I got to go to work. Can I rebuke that right now? That when you have that attitude, I say to our staff, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. And I haven't said that to anybody because they all want to be here. God help us if we have an attitude. Oh, I gotta go do. Oh. Well, bless the Lord. Isn't that an honorable thing? Lord, I give you glory. What? He's blessed you. If you desire more than honor God with what He's given you, because He's a God who can only do one thing, and that's bless. That's what He does. Don't slack in your schoolwork. Don't slack in your in your place of employment. You don't work to the glory of that employer. You work to the glory of God, which means you ought to exceed what that employer asks of you. Because the one you work for is higher than that man or that person. Don't give your very least to just get by. Give your best. I live by faith, not by sight. I'm not slacking in this world. I'm not just getting by. I'm not just making it. I'm living by faith, and I'm using what God has given me that the kingdom of God might be expanded. I might work underground where nobody sees me, but there's a place where he puts me in a place that I'm able to see the kingdom of God expand, that God let what I do be used for your glory. I wonder if there's anybody today who says, God, I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to influence the world. Why are you hanging out? Why are you hanging out in Shiloh when there's Strickland Estates that needs the hope of Jesus Christ? Why are you hanging out at Shiloh when Laurel Highlands Middle School needs to know that Jesus loves them? Why are you hanging out in Shiloh when there's a Uniontown Hospital, the biggest employer of our area, that needs to know the hope of Jesus Christ? That there are nurses not just walking that hall doing their job, but they are walking in the power and presence of God, that they're using their gifts and they're spreading the hope of Jesus Christ. Whether they say something or they don't, there's a presence of God and they're influencing a world. They're making decisions that in some corporate places, corporate decisions are being made oh, it's all about the dollar. Let's forget ethics. But there's someone rising up and saying, no, I'm not going to throw ethics out the window. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to do what will please God. I'm going to live according to the glory of God. And they shine light in the midst of a dark place. I wonder if there's anybody who say today, 
Lord, I'm ready to take the lamb. I'm ready to take the lamb. I'm ready to take the lamb. I want to see you do what you promised to do. To see broken lives turned. If that's your desire this morning, as we pray today, I'm doing as best I can with time. I know this. God has us at a crucial place, church. I'll close with this. I, we were at a board meeting praying, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word. It was a picture. I mean, so simple. It was like elementary preschool picture. I mean, picture book. I mean, and here's the picture that we were stepping on just step stools, not high off the ground. They were just step stools, two steps. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart reach up and take it. Reach up and take it. There are promises that I put in your heart. There are promises that I've set in your heart. I've positioned you and conditioned you. I've called you and you're doing it for my glory. Reach up and take it. What I love, it wasn't a big step ladder. It was just a step stool. Just two steps. And I felt in my spirit that God said, just take it. I've got it for you. And I felt that this morning as we were worshiping. I saw that step stool. In fact, I might need that step stool because I just think that's a picture. I'll find it, Pastor Kyle. We'll find it because I think that's the picture God's saying to you today. And as we were worshiping, I saw in my spirit, there's some people today, you need a healing and you just need to step up. You just need to take a step. You need to step up and reach and hold on and know that he's your healer. Not because you want an extension of living, but that you want an expansion of his glory. That his glory might be revealed to a world that needs hope. Time to step up. It's time to step up. I wonder if there's anybody this morning that says, you know what, I'm going to step up. Is there anybody today that says, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to step up. Is there anybody this morning that says, I'm going to step up. I'm going to step up. Some of you are looking around and you saying, I don't know. Is that what? Yeah, right now in the presence of God, would you just say to God today, God, I'm stepping up. I'm stepping in faith. I'm going to step in faith today. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to stand on your word, not to get my emotional high, but to walk upon what your promise and what your word says. Because God, I believe you can do it again. Lord, what you've done in the past, you've not outdone your power. Look at your neighbor this morning. Tell me he's not done yet. Tell him. Uh, the preacher, I'm done. Yeah, I'm t- God's not done yet. I'm done, but God's not done. God's not done. Step up. You've got influence. What are you doing with it? Put it in motion. You know what? Begin to have faith in sight. Don't look at your daughter as she's always been. I know you're not. Because you see her for the beauty of what God has called her to be. And in faith. Though it lingers, you keep holding on. Though it feels like it's taking long, you keep holding, you keep running, you keep writing down the word of God, and in faith you believe that that butterfly is coming out of the cocoon, and there is glory that God is manifesting in our midst. He's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. He's not done with us. I feel something in my spirit is just releasing right now. Faith Assembly, we're not going to be the same church we've been. Not because there was anything wrong. Uh-uh. But God says, you've gone through Gilgal. You've gone to Shiloh. But even when I called you at Gilgal, it was all because I had the land for you. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. It might not look like it used to look. That's because you were nomads then. We're not nomads anymore. We're walking into a promise. It might not be what it used to be. But I'm saying to God here in my life, God, do it again. Can we close with that as our prayer? They're going to lead us in this song. Would you just worship in these five minutes? We're going to end on time. But can we just take this moment right now and just before God, wherever he's calling you to step up, let's do it. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Oh, the Father God, help us see what you saw. In the days of old. Lord, let us see it again. Would you do it again? Do it again. Yes, God. All the stories told. All the miracles. Would you do it again? God, lead us. Do it again. 
what he calls us to, church. Here's what he said. Come on, consecrate yourself. God, I want to see. I want to see in faith. church and awakening is what's meant for the world but God can't awaken the world until the church not just revived but ready to step in to what God has called them to in Jesus name as we leave here today if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your savior this morning you say I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life if that's you today would you just raise your hand See, I need to confess my, my need of Jesus. And today, I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anyone this morning? We don't ever want to miss an opportunity to present that to you because the greatest decision, how many have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Raise your hand if Jesus is the Lord of your life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But maybe you're here today, and, and just as we've shared this, that there's some things that maybe, you're, maybe there's been some slacking. God says, I want, you to, I want you to walk by faith. You say, I'm not going to loiter anymore in my school. I'm not going to loiter in my workplace. I'm not going to loiter. I'm not just going to remain without reason. 
I want to have eyes of faith that when I go to my work, when I go to my place, when I go to my neighborhood, when I go where I go, I want to have eyes of faith. How many say that today? I want eyes of faith. If that's you today, just lift your hands to God right now. God, I want to see in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, as you lift your hands to the Lord right now, just, would you just do that? I want to pray a blessing over you today. As we go, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, even as you remove scales from Saul's eyes, God, today in the Spirit, would you remove the scales that keep us from seeing what you have for us. God, give us 3D vision that we would not see things as they are and not even as they're not, but that we would see them as they are in heaven. Give us eyes to see. And Lord, give us faith to believe. Though it linger, help us keep running. God, help us not walk by sight. But today, give us grace and strength to walk by faith. Come on, just say that to God right now. Say, I'm walking by faith. I'm living by faith. I'm going in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. And if that's your prayer, would you just say real loud and declare amen and amen. Amen. May we never see things the same in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being here today. I pray you've been encouraged in the presence of God. If you need prayer, I believe today, step up. There's healing. There's healing. The Lord bless you. Thank you for being here. We so love and appreciate you. Look forward next week as we conclude. Roles reversed. And don't forget, serve week, April 24th. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.